This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of She Speaks Fire, Battling Shame, Reigniting Your Faith, and Claiming Your Purpose by spoken word poet Mariella Rosario and available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to the Cartographers Podcast, mapping the cultural landscape for 21st century Christian leaders. I'm Ashley Hales. And we are rebranding the Finding Holy podcast into the cartographers. And as we seek to map this 21st century cultural landscape for Christian leaders, we're inviting guests into conversations around particular themes. They're generally aimed at categories of leadership, spiritual formation, cultural analysis, institutions, and imagination. And I'm going to be co-hosting with Bryce Hales. He's my husband, and he is the pastor of Trinity Church in San Luis Obispo, California. You've already heard him here on the podcast a few times already, so we want to give you a preview of what's coming later with the cartographers. So, Bryce, I'm excited to chat a little bit today about where we're going. Yeah, I'm excited about this new podcast. Uh, I'm excited to host it with you. Um, the cartographers is this idea that we've talked about. Cartographers are map makers. And one of the things that we are realizing um, kind of as we move uh, into this post-pandemic world is that so many things about uh, the world, the cultural landscape that uh, we live in and move in, uh, have changed. And uh, as we talk to, as I talk to other pastors, as I'm trying to get my feet underneath me in a new ministry context, uh, it just feels like uh, the world has changed. And so what we're wanting to do in this podcast is ha have conversations with people who can help us map the landscape, the new cultural landscape that we're living in. Uh, so I, I thought it'd be fun today to talk a little bit about just what we're hoping to do uh, in this podcast and, and a, a few just kind of ideas and assumptions that we're bringing. I think it's really important just to quickly reiterate that. So part of what we're, we're hoping to get with mapping the cultural landscape is that we are not the experts. We have not figured this out. And yet we're really excited to welcome you and our guests into conversation as we are reading and thinking about this changing cultural landscape. So yeah, tell us some of these assumptions, Bryce. Yeah. So uh, one of the, the first assumption that we're bringing is that we're living through a time of massive cultural change uh, that the COVID-19 pandemic uh, revealed and accelerated that, but, but the like uh, beginnings of this kind of cultural change were already in place. And so I think the best um, way I can think of to illustrate this is to tell a story of a conversation I had with my brother uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, I was talking to my brother. My brother drives a tugboat uh, and he is working in the San Francisco Bay area. And there's been all of this uh, rain and flooding around uh, Christmas, New Year's in the Bay area. And a levee on the Sacramento River Delta broke. And so my brother got called in to um, help with some of that effort to, to fix that. And he was supposed to be um, driving a tugboat with, I don't know, supplies, gravel, something up to help repair this uh, le levee. And he, I'm texting with him and he says, um, well, I haven't been able to get into my hotel for like two days. 
And, um, and I said, why not? He said, well, they've got those electronic keypads, but the power's out because of the weather, the rain, the flooding and everything, the power's out. And the owner of the hotel is in Atlanta for Christmas and can't get back to the Bay area to open the doors of the hotel because of the flights being canceled. And I just think, okay, that's a picture of like, we, we kind of have this uh, idea that coming out of COVID, there's like these supply chain issues, um, but it's kind of like, you know, the snake swallowing the, the mouse or something. It's just going to work its way through the system and it's going to take a little while. And then everything is going to get like caught back up to normal eventually. And, and what I'm saying is I don't think that's going to happen. I think that we've been living um, kind of with no margins for so long that now it's catching back up with us. And you know, what's interesting about that story too, is that it's multiple systems, right? That are interconnected and failing, right? In that situation. Exactly. And that, and that's the whole point of what I'm getting at. It's not just one thing that's changed or one thing. It's not just like, oh, we're having trouble getting stuff uh, on cargo ships from China into the port of Los Angeles. It's that times airlines, times weather, times everything. <laughs> and it's all just kind of compounding on, on itself. So, um, I mean, some of the changes that we're witnessing, we're kind of coming to what has felt for our lifetime, uh, normal, but the kind of the end of the American century there, we're seeing massive political upheaval and polarization. Um, we're having to come to terms with our limits, this idea that, um, you know, so many companies are founded and just operate at a loss for, for so long. Um, because investors invest in them with the hope that when they do their IPO, they're going to make that money back, uh, you know, times a certain percentage. Well, eventually that's got to catch up. Right. And so I think for, for many leaders, it's very confusing. Uh, and a lot of what we have assumed about the world that we're living in is now going to have to be questioned. So that's the assumption number one we're bringing to the podcast. Right. Massive cultural change. And that it's not just that pandemic, right? That that just kind of upsetted things and now we're going back to normal. That that some we're in a new kind of age culturally. Yeah. I mean, we, again, when the pandemic began, we kind of thought if everybody just stays home for three weeks, this thing will blow over and we'll get back to normal. And what we're realizing now is we are never going back to 20, 2019. Um, and it's not because of the pandemic this would have probably happened anyway, but the pandemic has accelerated and revealed uh, some of these changes that were already like currents that were already in the water. What's the effect do you think on leaders particularly? You know, as we think about the cartographers, we are trying to help leaders map this changing cultural landscape. So we have some sense of where we, we might go from here. So what are you seeing particularly as leaders in the church, Bryce, or you know, as we're thinking about cultural leaders that you and I know, what does that look like for Christians? Well, I just, I think that a lot of it comes down to the things that we have assumed, the things that we have taken for granted, the things that we uh, sort of assume will always be the way that they have been in the past. We can no longer make those assumptions. So, I mean, just a couple from my life uh, examples are um, things like, so I was a, when the, when the pandemic began, I was a church planter in Orange County and the church that I was pastoring met in an elementary school. And so as soon as the pandemic shut things down, we couldn't meet in that space anymore. 
And the, the assumption that you're going to be able to find space like that for churches to meet, I, I'm just, in some places, it's probably never coming back. You know, I even saw an, a recent article in The Atlantic talking about, you know, is, you know, I think there's a lot of things in kind of a secular mainstream media that says, oh, okay, well, religion is obviously on its way out. And it was this interesting article saying the the way that we have tended to even think about religious vocations, like pastoral vocations, and that that might actually be changing and shifting. But there is this sense, you know, the Atlantic is not obviously coming from a Christian perspective, but they were saying people are still interested in spirituality, whether that's through a chaplain or, you know, these other third spaces. And I found that interesting to realize that even our vocational identities are shifting as well. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, you know, working from home, um, that's having a huge effect on people not having to go back to the office, which means, um, you know, like not being tied geographically. If, if I had to live in this area because my job and I no longer do, uh, maybe uh, so uh, yeah, just all, all sorts of, it, it's sort of like, uh, somebody's just taken the, 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 the chessboard and just like tossed everything up in the air. And I'm not sure that we know where everything's going to land yet. Well, our second assumption that we're really bringing into these conversations is this idea of individualism versus institutional belonging. And the idea behind that is often, at least for American listeners, there is a sense in which individualism feels a little bit like our birthright, right? That, you know, we are told that life and liberty and that the pursuit of happiness is kind of our American birthright. And we tend to think of that primarily in individualistic terms. So you think of most movies and you have kind of this, this hero that needs to leave his small rural town and go to New York City to find himself or, you know, a middle-aged woman who needs to leave her marriage um, so that she can again, find herself. And we have this sense that we have to often go away or leave these kind of historic or communal identities to be able to be our authentic selves. And on the other hand, we have this idea of institutions. And, you know, you can think when you hear that word, you might go, ooh, like institution, that sounds really dull and boring and like being institutionalized is obviously- Sterile. Yeah, sterile. You know, and so we get this sense of institutions being these dead things and individualism being this alive thing. But we want to really talk about the value of institutions because they really provide the form. Yuval Levin talks about institutions as a form. It's kind of like a, a, a cake pan. Without a cake pan, you don't actually have a cake. You need something to hold um, communal life together. So we really want to talk about that this disparity on the one hand between individualism and institutions and how can we both promote the flourishing of individuals, but also say we want the work that we're doing in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our churches to actually outlive us, leave a legacy. And for that, you need institutions. Yeah. I mean, the, the great example of this, I think, uh, right now is, is just Congress. <laughs> like what's happening in Congress used to be this like robust, uh, body that was about, um, uh, compromise for the sake of governance. And now, I mean, we've just kind of come through this whole like speaker of the house debacle and so much of, um, what's going on is individual, uh, members of Congress using their, their platform to kind of make a point, 
get on the news, uh, make a headline, uh, and and the work of actual governance uh, takes a backseat to that. And we see that playing out, uh, you know, at the, the national level, but also at the individual level, too. Yeah. So it's this theme we're going to see running all throughout the cartographers is, is how do we both promote individuals, but to do so in a way that actually values institutions. And some of that means rebuilding those institutions when they've failed or become power hungry for their own sake. What else, Bryce? Well, and I think it's important to say that that this is not like a um, an either or. This is sort of like, a, you know, freedom, individual uh, autonomy is a good thing. Uh, and if you're living in like um, North Korea, you probably you need more uh, individual autonomy. Um, but, but the pendulum has swung so far to that extreme that, you know, you hear things like, even things like, uh, you know, people saying, well, I'm going to leave my marriage because I just, God wants me to be happy and I'm not happy with this person. Uh, and so this, this, um, uh, kind of individual autonomy has become so highly prized in, in American culture that it's now an excuse, um, to kind of bless uh, practices and ideas that are clearly counter to uh, to what you know God's vision for our flourishing is. Um, yeah. So the the third uh, thing we want to talk about today, uh, kind of a strand that's going to be running through our podcast, is is the sense that uh, Christians have confused and intermingled culture with theology, and um, you know I, I I think what we're trying to get out here is, um, and this is the sort of thing that is like going to either ruffle feathers or be like, people are going to be like, yes, uh, depending on probably your age. And I think some of this is, um, for people who grew up in kind of the post-World War II era, it became very easy to equate, um, American culture, uh, or sort of overlay American culture with biblical Christianity. And for a generation or two, uh, there was this sense that, um, you know, there's a, a American prosperity was, 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 uh, kind of growing against the backdrop of like the threat of nuclear war and the spread of communism. And so there was this sense of like, uh, America is fighting the good fight against the evil empire. Uh, and kind of overlay gospel tones with that. Um, that's all totally changing now, <laughs> and it has to. And, and and to whatever extent that that was actually accurate, we could debate that. But but the bottom line is, um, we have intermingled culture and theology, and as we are kind of now in this time where we're going through massive cultural change, we've got to disentangle those two. You know, and I think there's a lot of talk on on social media and amongst younger Christians or folks who kind of grew up with an evangelical background of, you know, using the word deconstruction. And I think what we're talking about here is really helpful to talk about these things need to be untangled. And hopefully that provides hope for kind of that subset of, of folks. Right. Because often when, when we hear about people deconstructing you know, it's, well, I'm a, I'm a pastor. <laughs> so I'm sort of like vocationally invested in this. And I'm like, I agree with all of your critique, you know, be, because it feels like you're, what you're deconstructing is not actually biblical Christianity as much as it is um, the way that it has kind of um, had a, a synergistic relationship with, with American culture. 
Yeah. So the intermingling of culture and theology also then helps us to focus on discipleship. So, I mean, that gives us an actual opportunity, right? Yeah, for sure. And so, yeah, I think that's the solution here is that we have to come back to uh, what Jesus actually said before he ascended, um, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And, and the, the church, it feels like for the last generation or two, has just put discipleship as sort of like a, an optional extra, like an extra credit activity. And now I think we have to go uh, back and say, actually, that's what this is all about, is building disciples um, and disciples who, under, uh, who can hear the voice of God in scripture and prayer and the silence, um, who have the, the resilience to live in a changing world. Uh, where we can't take for granted the norms that we experienced in the past. And you and I are working together on a Bible study right now that'll be out in a few years. But, you know, we are looking a lot at this metaphor of fruitfulness, right? And this idea of resilience that we see again and again through scripture that Jesus talks about his disciples as trees, right? That good good trees bear good fruit. And so as we talk about this intermingling of culture with theology, and we begin to disentangle them, it really does provide us an opportunity to think about, okay, what do we want in our soil? How far down, what, you know, do our roots grow into so that we are actually not just ourselves, but our communities, we're building good trees full of, you know, good fruit um, in our discipleship processes. So we'll be talking a lot about that as well. Yep. Well, I'm excited to get started. We are um, going to be getting our feet wet with a few episodes uh, coming soon. And um, as we get into a rhythm, we're going to be releasing episodes every other Tuesday. We've got some exciting uh, guests coming up. We're going to do a couple of series over the next uh, course of the year. And uh, we're really excited to bring that to you. So please subscribe to the cartographers, share these episodes with friends. They will really help you chart a way through this changing cultural landscape for 21st century Christian leaders. Thanks for being with us.